Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, a retrospective look across the spectrum. I'm your host, Kelly Birmingham. And as usual, I have my other co-host, Jen, Jen Lucero. Hi, Jen. Hi, Kelly. And hey, everybody. Today, we continue as our last our last podcast about the topic of disclosure. And we are excited to have mom, Patty, son of Jack with us today. And she's going to talk a little bit with us about disclosure and her son. So welcome, Patty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you both about this topic. So, thank you. And I know you're so eloquent when you speak and you can swear, by the way, we're both from Boston, so you can swear. <laughs> Well, what do they say? You have to stick with something if you're good at it, right? (laughs) So yeah, fellow Bostonians, you know, we drop a few F-bombs or other words. So you're welcome to do that. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) So um, the reason we do this podcast is um, I'm 20, over 25 years in the field working with adults and children um, with autism and developmental disabilities. And I have the pleasure of knowing both of you for a very long time, a majority of that career. And so on the topic of disclosure, this came up because um, one of the things that I found when I started doing this podcast was that disclosure was a hot topic, um, particularly when you go, when you look at the, the spectrum of autism and it, you know, families who have children that are, are more impacted by autism, typically are those the ones out talking about this and disclosing their child, sharing pictures and talking about it. And a lot of families who have children that are mildly impacted, if no longer impacted by autism, don't typically do that. I actually had a really hard time finding someone who would talk about this. And so thank you for being our person. And I wondered if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes, just sharing a little bit about your story, particularly as it relates to your son and disclosure. Okay. Yeah. I, when you reached out to me and and asked me to consider talking about this, um, I thought it was so important because I felt as if the way that I handled it um, made a big difference in um, Jack's confidence and overall development as he was passing through adolescence into what is now a young adulthood. Um, you know, we had almost 21, correct? That is correct. Yep. Almost 21. And when he was a young child, um, you know, at two years old with a diagnosis on the spectrum, you really didn't know what you were going to have um, for an end game. And by end game, I mean, just really getting into adolescence and adulthood. And the, the question I always would ask you and every therapist that I ever worked with would be, is this typical behavior um, of a regular, of a two-year-old or is this autistic behavior? So you were trying as a parent to figure out what you were seeing. And so um, in doing that, you realize that there, you know, we're in a world and there are other people with their eyes on your child and there are other children's eyes on your child. So you wanted to... Um, protect your child, but also protect their privacy. And I always thought that the privacy of my child was of utmost importance because he could not protect his own privacy. So as his parent, I I really felt as if that was my job. Um, But as time went by and he got older, um, you know, we started to talk about, you know, what the future 
held for him is in regards to just the topic of, you know, being someone on the spectrum. And the advice that you gave me long ago, which I thought was essential was wait until he's older. Do not tell him at an age where, you know, he has to, um, I guess, fight with adolescence as well as, you know, having um, to come to terms with having maybe what could be considered a disability. So I, I took that advice, but I really felt as if I needed to prepare his life um, for um, the future of maybe being somebody that would have that label of this disability. So as a, a young boy, I would point out people who would be maybe on the street, someone in a wheelchair or somebody who was um, that would stutter or somebody that had anything that was different. Even if someone um, had blue hair walking down the street, I would point that out and we would have a conversation about how every person on this planet is different. And in regards to people with disabilities, I would point out that, okay, that person has a disability, but the reality is we all have something and whatever we have, we need to push through. So that was kind of the underpinnings of talking about just in general, without ever having had the conversation with him that, hey, you have, um, you know, you're on the autistic spectrum. We never spoke about it. And it was nothing that was of being ashamed. It was more about let's wait till there's a level of maturity that we can have a conversation. And in the end, the conversation, um, the most important part of it was if we were going to have that conversation, that it was not going to be one of bad news. Okay, I have some bad news to you. Who wants bad news? Nobody wants bad news, but this is a very serious topic. So I felt as if I prepared um, for most of my life in his for when that conversation would transpire. So when he was in the seventh grade, he came home from middle school one day and he said, hey, um, I have a question for you. Do I have autism? That's what he asked me. And again, having prepared for this mm -hmm. for years, to, you know, to say, how is this conversation going to go? Um, I very matter of factly said, yeah, you do. You're on, you're on the spectrum. When you were little, you didn't talk. And we had you looked at by a speech pathologist and some school psychologists. And they came back thinking that you were on the spectrum of autism. And the good news is, is that you have kind of a good kind of autism. You're very smart in school. Um, you're very right-brained. Um, you're very hardworking. I, and, and his response was, okay, well, there's got to be a bad side to that. And I said, well, you know how sometimes you feel like you're on the outside and maybe you're looking in or you're that, you know, you're, you're the guy that they told a joke and you didn't really get it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the bad side. But if you had to be on the spectrum and you had to have it, the, the really the gifts of it far outweigh the, the, the burden of it. Huh. And I, I remember I, I had purchased a book for him um, by, um, I think the guy, the last guy's name is Abbott. I just off the top of my head, forget his name, but Tony Atwood. Mm -hmm. um, no, his, I think his, I think his name was Jim, um, Abbott. Oh, okay. and he was a professional baseball player and he oh. had one, mm -hmm. he had one hand. And so he wrote a book about, you know, here I am. I'm, I have literally have one hand and I made it into the pros and I'm a pitcher, no less. Amazing. So he would, he would hold, um, the glove under his armpit and he would pitch the ball and then with lightning precision would get that glove onto that hand. So if he needed to feel the ball, he could. And I remember giving this to Jack as a very young teenager. And again, showing him that, you know what, this guy has something that no one on the planet would think that this person could be a professional baseball player, but and it, he, he is, he, he's, you know, playing in the major leagues and is actually a quite proficient pitcher. So when he asked me the question and we talked about it, my tone of voice was also very matter of fact. 
I didn't want it to be, you know, let, you know, you know, that conversation, let's sit down, son, and talk about the birds and the bees. I didn't want it to be that way. I didn't want it to be so heavy. And so I, I felt as if I had played this conversation over my mind for years. So in having the conversation, it wasn't bad news. It was really matter of fact. And then it was followed up with the reminder of, you know, I think that when I was going through high school, I had a little attention deficit disorder. I didn't recognize it then. I just had to work really hard to get good grades. But now as an adult, I can look back and see that I had to overcome that. And just talking about uh, people that have cancer or anyone that's dealing with any kind of medical, biomedical, anything that, you know, really is kind of heaped upon you. And um, now you have to sort through it and figure it out. So that was, I mean, in a nutshell, that was pretty much how it rolled out. Um, and over the years, we've checked in on the topic of conversation. I don't bring it to him. He brings it to me. Okay. And um, I've, I've allowed him to decide what and when he wants to talk about. But I think that, you know, one of the things that I didn't bring up earlier, and this was something that you said to me, and I think it was integral to his development, which was telling him at a younger age, maybe right before adolescence, it was really um, risky that you'd be giving him a crutch to have, you know, bad grades, poor behavior, making mistakes. And he could use that as the excuse only because um, his level of maturity might not have been able to really figure that whole myriad of um, things out because it is a heavy topic. And if you've never thought about it before as a young person, that's a lot to take on. So I think it was just at the right time. He was asking about it. And you said, wait till he asks. When he asks is when you have that conversation. And in seventh grade, that's when he did. So we had that conversation. It unfolded. And in all honesty, I watched him so closely over the next several weeks after we had that conversation to see what that did to his psyche or to see how he was um, maybe just coming to terms with it. And in all honesty, I think it, he kind of just brushed it off. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't carry a lot of pain over it. And, you know, one of the questions that he had was, well, should I tell people? And my answer was, you can tell people if you want to, or you can keep your business private. It's really your choice. And he's never, um, he's opted. His choice was not out of shame, but just out of privacy, not to go around and um, tell people. Mm -hmm. And I would speak to, you know, a lot of the people that work with him through the school system. And they would say to me, well, he's had a really positive outcome. You know, would you care to come around and, and speak on the, uh, about the topic and talk about, you know, the amount of work you put in and the success story? Right. And my answer was always no, because I didn't want to be um, the the mom um, and have my child held up as a poster child, even though the outcome was great. I didn't want it held up because I felt like that was a betrayal of his privacy. So instead of saying that, I would say to them, well, I want him at some point to have a girlfriend and maybe get laid. So no, I don't want to talk about autism um, in a public forum. Um, so I, I think it boils down to every person will make their own decision, but I do think there should be time to really give a thoughtful um, approach to what you're going to do and what you're going to say, because it, it, it sounds um, silly, but it's very important to wait to the way that you, that you talk about this with your child. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a loss of words just because I, I I'm personally connected to you and your son um, and Jen and her son. And um you know, as a BCPA, 
we are in people's homes, right? Mm -hmm. Or people come to our clinics and we spend the most hours with families and they ask us questions on what to do. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been asked that question over the years a million times. And it is a, it is a comment that I make very individualized for each child. And Mm -hmm. I, I know that Jack went through regular education classrooms, which Mm -hmm. is different than maybe Jen, like your son, who was always in a special education classroom. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that you allowed Jack to find his own path with this, just like Mm -hmm. Jen, your son, Dylan's found his own path. I mean, he Mm -hmm. thinks the autism speaks walk is his walk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He says, we're going to my walk, right? (laughs) Um, So let me, if I can just ask you a few more questions, Patty. So I know that Jack is graduating college in three years. Yes. And he, I mean, who does that anymore? No one. No one in my family. Yeah. (laughs) He definitely is the smartest person we've had in our family. And everyone is very proud of it. His grandparents. And, you know, we we finally have someone with some actual intelligence. So we're very happy. (laughs) The rest of us are BSing our way through life and sales and different jobs. But this guy he's legit. Like he could actually be like real in some role in academia or he wants to be in politics. So yes, we're very happy for the level of intelligence that he has. I wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> true. Um, so um, I'm wondering, cause I hear this with other parents I've talked to when it comes time to being in a relationship with someone Um, sometimes that is a time someone chooses to disclose or not disclose, maybe just because of some challenges that Mm -hmm. may occur either physically or emotionally. And I was just curious if you guys have talked about that at all. We have, you know, we have talked about that. And I, I, you know, my advice to him is that I think, you know, if, you know, I know you said with autism, you know, you, 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 you have your child and then they, they, they plot you in some regard on that spectrum as to where they think that your kid is. But at the end of the day, I never, I never made myself feel better and said, Oh, he has mild autism. To be perfectly honest with you. I don't know if he has mild autism. I'm not again, intellect. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. So I never wanted to do anything that would make me feel better because I just wanted to have the fire in the belly to go at it really hard. So instead of saying, oh, he'll be fine or, oh, he's only mild, I I just decided to just push the word autism aside and look at any deficit or any challenge that he had and work on that. And it made a difference of not being sad about it. It's, it's, it's an issue. And there's some things um, that were, you know, behavioral as well as, um, you know, things that would overstimulate him. And, you know, the, the, the goal at the end of the day is to be in the real world and have a real life. And, you know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, before, before autism, I literally just thought life would be perfect. I thought, oh, I married this person. He's a handsome man. He gave me a diamond ring. I have these kids. I live in this little house in Laguna Niguel and my lawn is green. And I had a lot of, um, if I don't, you know, it's Lord, we all know that doesn't work yeah. out. All three of us. No. <laughs> right. And so, you know, you, um, you realize that you're just an ant on a log, like everybody else, no better, no worse. And although parenting, um, brings you great humility, there is nothing, um, that will bring you to, um, absolute humbleness than this. 
And when you take everything and strip it away, uh, as far as your hopes and dreams for your child, you know, captain of the football team, president of the class, prom king, all these silly things that, you know, you put as something that would be of any value. Um, when you take that all away and you're dealing with a young child trying to figure out what the future holds, when you think of your child and what their future is, the only hope you really have is, will my child have love? Will my child feel joy? And you realize that everything you ever thought about before that was frivolous and really quite silly. And you get this automatic gift of perspective. And it's a gift that you don't want. You'd rather just be stupid. You'd rather just not have to deal with it, right? You'd rather be your old self where you got, you know, you thought about silly problems. And, and now you realize all of that was just a waste of time. And now you're living a true and authentic life. So in regards to a relationship, him and adult relationship with a woman, um, you know, he would tell, he would, we've talked about it and he would say to somebody, Hey, you know, and he would describe it in that same matter of fact, Hey, I don't know if you can tell, but you know, I have a little bit of, you know, kind of, kind of weird. And um, this is some of the stuff that I do, but let me tell you my journey and what I've gone through. And, and again, every child is so different. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, we're all in this and every person is, you know, somewhere along the spectrum. And honestly, if any of us are there, we're all, we're all there. So I think that, um, the pain that I felt in the beginning was literally excruciating. I, I truly don't know any other person that has been on this journey it, in those early days yeah. that felt more pain than I did. For some reason, it just really bothered. Now I never took antidepressants. I never <laughs> sat on a shrinks couch, although most of my friends will say that I should have, um, <laughs> but I think it's a, it is a club. And, um, I used to say, well, it's a club that nobody wants to be in, but you know what? I've been in the club a good long time now and, it, and it's not so bad. And I've met a lot of good people along the way, and it has definitely enriched my life and the life of my family. And even, you know, I have a, a daughter that's 13 months older than Jack yeah. and through, and through this process, um, she has become such a caring considerate, compassionate person to humanity. And you understand the, the, the bigger picture. So I, you know, for, for him, he's been blessed. His blessing is not because he's good in math or writing. His blessing is that he was blessed with a kind heart. So you have to look at your own individual child and there, there is goodness in there and there are gifts in there. And it is your job as the parent to pull them out. Wow. That's great. Um, you know, one thing that you said, um, my experience, it, it's funny because, you know, my son is severely impacted, but um, I think it's in so many ways the same. Like when it comes down to it, you just strip it down. I always as well, like, you know, it wasn't about the word autism. Um, something you said, said struck me too, and it's always evolving is, you know, um, looking at you know, the strengths, but the areas of need, um, you know, to work on for anybody, him, myself, my other son, and, you know, finding what is going to be a support at that time. And Kelly asked me the other week, and generally, when you think of um, Dylan being healthy, what does that mean to you? And to me, that means being happy, you know, and in the end, I think, for any of us, that's what we want for a child. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think it's really cool. And I respect so much that, you know, that you thought it out so much and, you know, took your time to disclose it for my son. um, You know, (laughs) he, I was never even, I don't even think I've ever said you have autism. He just, you know, picked up on it. I don't even think he, like, again, he just thinks everybody's at the walk for him. (laughs) But he also doesn't think anything's wrong with him. He thinks he's like the coolest guy on the planet and everybody else is the problem, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, I just think it's really great, like the way that you handled it, you know, and my situation was so different, but I would have hoped that I would have handled it the same way as you have. Well, you know, when the whole thing went down, people would say to me, people in my immediate family and people that I cared about, they cared about me very much. Um, they would say things like, well, you know, Bill Gates has autism. Yeah. And I would always say, well, you know, I, I, if that's the case, if Bill Gates actually has autism, well, there would be a Hallmark card that would say, congratulations on your autism. Yeah. And I'm yet, I'm yet to get that card. Right. So <laughs> the thing is, is that, um, I, you know, at that early age, you just don't know what you're going to get. And mm-hmm. so, although Although the outcome for him has been good, um, I was t- as terrified as anyone at two years old. I had no idea. So I, f- I literally felt terror. F- I think for the, he got diagnosed at two, and I think it took me five years to get out of the point where it wasn't the last thing I thought of when I went to bed, and it was the first thing I thought of when I went, you know, when I woke up. And when that finally you know, went away, I thought, okay, I can feel like a normal person again. Um, but it is a very difficult place. And I think it's, it's just one of those things. I'm not a religious person. I am a mediocre Catholic at best, <laughs> but I do believe, you know, the, the, the one comment that people would make to me is, oh, well, you know, Patty, God only gives you what you can handle. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I've comment, heard that right? line many yeah. times. <laughs> right. And I would think I would, you know, in my mind, I would swear inside at the person. And then um, I would say, you know, you have no idea what you're talking about. And people want to help. They just want to give you kind of that hallmark, like button on it and try to help you. Or, you know, my brother would say, well, you just have to be positive. And I thought, be positive. I'm like in devastation. How can I be positive? So I think we've, we've all started in that same spot, but I never um, I never thought, oh, um, he turned out this well, mm-hmm. just because of the early intervention, just because of the speech and the occupational therapy. He turned out this well, because probably the bullets skinned him on the way by, right? Didn't mm-hmm. get him right between mm-hmm. the eyes. So I, so I do not walk around and think that um, I'm responsible for this outcome. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for this outcome. I, I did everything I could. And I think it in some regard was selfish, because I just wanted to be able to say, when I'm 90 years old in a rocking chair, I did everything I could. Yeah. Um, but I saw many people that um, had the same situation as I did, and they were paralyzed and couldn't do anything. And I remember um, Jack went to um, Laguna Niguel Elementary School, and there was a little girl at that school, and she was in his grade, and she had an autism diagnosis, and the parents had done no early intervention. Yeah. And People, the, the few people that knew, because I didn't tell too many people, not out of shame, out of privacy for Jack, they would come up to me and they would say, can you believe that they haven't done the early intervention? I mean, look at how great Jack turned out. Why aren't they doing it? And I said, you know, had I not been through this myself, I might think the same as you, but I have been through it. And it was the most painful journey I've ever experienced to this very day. Wow. And 
some people just cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And for those people, I, I really felt like I just wanted to gather them up in my arms because I know where they're at. I know I've been in that pain and it's just so difficult. So I think that we, we are on our own individual journey, each of us with different little boys for the most part and little girls. And I think that as a community, we need to remember that this is a long road. Mm -hmm. a, a, a great doctor told me a long time ago, calm down. He's two. You got a long way to go to bring him up. And I, I, I mean, you know, you, you think back on those little things that guy probably saved my life because mm -hmm. I was crazy back then. And so I calmed down and I methodically went through the process and it has been, it has been a good, a good situation, but you know, with the, you see people everywhere. It's, it's almost like if you go through this, your eyes open up to the world, you yeah. automatically can see everyone's pain. Now, most people are walking around and they have their issues, but they don't say anything, right? We all get up and put our shoes on and put our pants on and go to work. Even no matter what pain we're in, that sun comes up tomorrow. And um, when you, when I went through this and, and the person that I've come out on the other side to be, I can see everybody's pain and it's made me far more compassionate. And I'm sure Jen, you feel the same way. It's just one of those things. Again, it's something that you get and you do get perspective and you get compassion and you get humility. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want all of that stuff, but I mean, when you think about it, it's actually <laughs> yeah. that, that those are the descriptions of people that have good character. So for some reason, um, you know, this, um, was my situation, right? In your situation. And again, I, I, not being religious, because I'm really um, not, I mean, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I would in those days, you know, pull out my Catholic um, 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 bargaining with God. And I would say to God, <laughs> just why, why did this happen to my child? I used to say, why did this happen to me? But then I realized, I think somebody told me, it might've even been Kelly. They said, hey, take it easy. Nothing happened to you. You're still you. You're still yeah. not just you. <laughs> Um, why? And I never got that question answered. I don't know why, but at some point I decided, I don't care why it is what it is. Yeah. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump in here with both feet and, 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 and go on the journey. And listen, at the end of the day, this journey continues for the rest of the days that I'm on this planet. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, my goal is to just make sure that he is, um, happy to your point and healthy, the same thing. And, um, that he ends up, um, just having love and having joy. And it is, it's the most important thing. I think I would have been kind of neurotic and expected a lot of perfection out of my kids. And this knocked me down a, a couple of um, notches and it made me be, um, more easygoing and, and, and more of a calm mother. Mm -hmm. And it, it benefited both my children. I think they, um, they're just normal, um, kind-hearted, compassionate people. And we all want it all. We want, like I said earlier, we want the captain of the football team, mm -hmm. but really what we really want is good people because this world is a better place when we put out good people. And I think that this, this, unfortunately you have to have it, but it does make you a better person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the two of you, um, who both basically started my professional career on the West coast, I'd been working in Boston. Um, the two of you both actually, <laughs> as I spent my lives with you as you as your kids were younger and as they were growing up, were so incredibly inclusive in your own ways about how you manage this. And so, like I know Jen, for you, it you you ju you just it was a part of your life, right? And then you you started working in the field, and it just mm -hmm. became, you know, 
what you did. And it like, when we interviewed your son, Ethan about this, he said, it was just my normal. It was totally fine. I have no problem with it. Mm -hmm. And Patty, I vividly remember you used to have Fridays at your house <laughs> and oh, yeah. all the kids would come over. I had for, for years. I mean, I yep. literally from the time of diagnosis at two till the time he went off to high school and was able to just have his own social life. I had boys at my house all the time. And it, and it, and it did benefit him because it, it, it became a group of protectors mm -hmm. that got, it took him literally through elementary school and this crew took him through middle school and this crew took him through high school where he had people. And, uh, you know, the, at the end of the day, I would look at the coolest kid in the class and that would be the first kid I'd invite home yep. and I'd have him come home and would shoot hoops and swim in the pool and play video games. And I, you know, I, I think I told you Kelly last week when we spoke that I think these little boys actually like to come and play with me because I'm actually super fun. <laughs> the, goal, the goal was to have them when they thought of my child to think, oh, I like going over there. That's fun mm -hmm. over there. There's good food over there. There's, there's fun things to do over there. Yep. And, it, and it turned out that, you know, I could step away and then he had that crew of people. So I think that for me, I'm, I'm a very private person. And when, when I was trying to figure this out too, I, I knew that he needed to, to be bombarded with social interaction. I knew that. And at the time he was like a baby. So he was wearing a diaper at two years old. So all these little kids were still home from school. And what mom doesn't want somebody to say, Hey, can I have your kid come over for two hours? Right. My kid. Everyone in the, I was the most popular mom in the neighborhood that, Hey, drop them off. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great situation for me, but that was hard for me to open myself up. I didn't want to say to people I need help, but I did need help. Yeah. And um, I found, I found my way and it, it, it really did. It made all the difference in his socialization. So I think you just, you have to bring people around. You can't just be alone. You have to bring people in. And again, for me, that was difficult. And, and you know, my, my very close inner circle would say, well, do you want us to bring, you know, when the whole thing went down, people would say, oh, do you want us to do like a dinner train? And I didn't want anything like that. I did not want my kids to say, oh, remember back in the day, we were so sad and pathetic that everyone had to come and bring us dinner. I didn't need, if I needed dinner, hey, if you need dinner, take dinner. Um, and I'm a dinner deliverer, but I didn't want that because I didn't need it, but I did need people. I did need support and I got it from every side. And I, and, and I did it in a way where I might've not said, hey, I need support but I would grow relationships with people. And, and then I would let, you know, very few, but some in that would um, be there for, for Jack. And, and again, it was, it was never about me. I finally was able to step away and let it be that it was him. And when I did that, it just gave me more strength to be able to deal with the situation versus to think that it happened to me. Nothing happened to me. Yep. I was still the same person, but I had this challenge in this situation and it was just dealing with it. And, you know, Jack's dad gave me really good advice. He, he went back to that word. Hey, I mean, you know, he said to me, Patty, you're really talking about autism, this autism, that he said, what if we just put the word to the side? Cause the word is kind of terrifying in the beginning. And let's just deal with the deficits and the challenges to your point, Jen, that you said that you did as well. And by doing that, it made it more palatable you could deal with it it didn't feel so heavy but if you have the situation bring people in people want to help you people do have compassion and the best thing you can do for your child is to have people around yeah. and, and and it's okay if it's not perfect 
but just to have people around to be there to support your child because these kids, whether they go special education in a, in a you know a special class or in regular education, they need the support system. They absolutely do. Yeah, I remember. I to this day, I still tell when I'm working with families, I talk about how you did that. <laughs> and it was you, a lot. It was yeah. it was tiring for sure. Okay. But you know what? I always thought of it you know, especially for people that will be listening to this that have younger children that are really in the beginning of diagnosis mm-hmm. or just going through the process of trying to set up what the education is going to look like. Um, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we hit all of the um, all of the points that we wanted to hit. If we had a goal we wanted to meet, we brought in people to help with the goal. And that meant little boys coming in and, and helping with the goal. But I also thought, okay, this won't be forever, right? I'm not going to be yeah. 50 years old and have boys come over to my house. So I took it as, and, and again, for people that have, you know, very young children in there and they've gone through the diagnosis process and now they're trying to figure out what their game plan is. It, th- this intense time will not be forever, yeah. but from the time they're two to about six, you probably have to put everything on hold mm-hmm. and deal with your issue. And then it'll, 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 it'll come out the way it'll come out. But I, I don't think that, um, I know, I know people that did everything under the sun, moon and stars, and they still had um, a child that was fairly severe. Right. And that's, and that, and, and it is what it is. You, we all got what we got, but to back to that phrase of, Oh, God only gives you what you can handle. I, I look back now and I, and when I, I hated that phrase in the past, but I, I look at it now and I, I truly do. I look at it now and I see my, my, my son and he did turn out good. And I realized, Oh, you know, it's true. God only gave me what I could handle. And I'm kind of a wimp. So he didn't give me, he didn't give me the whole, the whole rigmarole, right? He, he, he took one look at me and said, oh, this one, she's not going to do so well. So we'll, uh, we'll go easy. On that. I mean, you know, so, so, that's, that's how it out. so do, does Jack know that you're talking to us on this podcast? I, I, you know what? I didn't even mention it. I didn't even tell him again. It goes back to, um, I leave it in his hands if he wants to talk about something. Great. And yep. I, I felt like when you asked me and I, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to have to be, I don't want to say, you know, identified, but more like, yeah. I feel now at a point where I want to help people that I can help. And, and again, never to betray Jack's confidence. I'm never, I won't do that, but I want to, I want people to know that are going through this, especially in that early stage that is, is just absolutely terrifying. I want them to know that you will be, be okay you will survive, you will have joy again, you will have happiness again. Um, but you have to get through the beginning. And the beginning is a little bit hard. It's a little laborious. And if you really go into it, it it's a lot. It's expensive and so on and so forth. And just the psychological job it does on you is difficult. But you will get through it. You will come out the other end, as will your child. And you will all learn to live with it on every different level. And every, you know, to Jen's point, Jen said her son is very happy. That's the key. The key is that you can keep your family happy. And, you know, for my daughter who was 13 months older than him, I never wanted her to be his protector. I didn't feel it was fair to her Mm -hmm. to have, uh, to have any responsibility. I literally didn't give her a single ounce of responsibility to take care of him. But there was one time when, you know, of course I had the trampoline in the backyard, like everybody does. And, Mm -hmm. um, he was out there with a little friend and they were jumping on the trampoline and the little friend got a little rough. And I heard my daughter come out the back door of the house and I heard her say to his friend, hey, don't do that to my brother again or I'm going to have to punch you. 
<laughs> okay. So, so, you know, siblings have a natural ability to watch out for their siblings, but I never gave her that responsibility because I didn't think it was fair to her. So I think that as the parent, you take it on, you know, if you're married or if you have a partner, you guys deal with it. The kids can't deal with it until they get older. And because you don't want them to resent it. You want them to be, again, they have to be old enough to understand what the situation is and what it entails. For sure. And you're my hero. Let's have her on every week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I can't thank you enough for being willing to do this with us. Um, and sharing your story, I will continuously, uh, continuously reference when I hear parents say I have trouble finding a, a playmate for my son, I continuously share your story about Friday nights at your house, Friday after schools at your house and how you just took on all the kids and immersed it and made it just part of your son's life experience. And so, um, I mean, you should feel good to know you did everything because I know you did. And thank you so much for being on our podcast. We can't thank you. I'm I'm happy to, to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye. Take care. Bye.